What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The American Family Farmer podcast is made possible in part by Calitrin, which is the safe way for you to lose weight and keep it off. And also by Prevagen, keeping your brain healthy. This is the American Family Farmer. I'm Doug Steffen. For the first week of June, it's dairy month. And so we ought to talk about cows. Don't you think we ought to talk about cows? I love talking about cows because cows are my jam, as they say. <laughs> I feel funny sometimes using them. I'm not necessarily woke, and uh, but cows are my jam. As, as far as I can remember, I've been around cows all my life, and it's something really that makes me tick. And so dairy is going to be on my mind a lot this month, not that it isn't always Raising cows, I raise Jersey replacement heifers on my farm. You can see the comings and goings. I have a few Holsteins, and I got a few uh, crossbreeds that people bring me to raise for them. I, I do, uh, as many of you do, or some of you do probably, raising heifers. I board them. Uh, we get a couple of bucks a day uh, for heifers of all sizes, take care of them on the farm. I always wondered whether that was, I don't even know that that's the right number, frankly, uh, people ask me if I'll take care of or raise because we actually, frankly, do a great job. And so I say, okay, yeah, if you want to bring your cows over for the summer, it's two bucks a day. I think that's probably. Uh, but if you look at the prices, though, uh, the markets, uh, I'm, uh, I was at an auction last week. I bought some yearling heifers and paid six, seven hundred bucks for them. I'm going to another auction in Vermont this week. I think the price would be a little lower because people are, you know, the frankly, how the markets affect what the prices are really amazing on a day-to-day -day level. Uh, the market's less this week because it's after Memorial Day and there's not as much demand for meat, certainly in Memorial Day and the 4th of July too. Hot dogs, hamburgers, even chicken, that sort of stuff. The prices were higher the last 10 days before the Memorial Day weekend than they are this week as we come out of Memorial Day. Pretty amazing. Record high meat prices having a chilling effect, though, on the grilling demand in general. Cost for ground beef and chicken breasts at all-time highs, according to some of the consumer monitors that I look at here. Uh, there aren't many alternatives uh, because, you know, a hot dog's a hot dog, and a chicken breast is a chicken breast, and a hamburger is a hamburger. Uh, Memorial Day holiday, considered the unofficial opening of the outdoor grilling season, surging costs, and disappointing starts, because meat, there is, uh, unless you're going to the local butcher, you'll probably find your supermarket running out of meat, beef, hamburger, that sort of stuff. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has stalled all of the exports, the crops that came to help feed uh, not only here in our country. And this is what's so crazy. You know, this really is crazy. I usually keep my complimentary, I mean, my commentary, my complimentary commentary till the end of the program. But I got to tell you, this is the craziest country in the world. Does it make any sense 
for farmers to grow soybeans, corn, grains, for us to to grind away at raising beef and dairy and whatever it is, to have this stuff exported when we don't have enough here and we're buying it from other countries? What? It's like oil. We got plenty of oil here. Why aren't we drilling for it? Why aren't we taking out of our ground the oil we need to keep the prices down? These questions keep being asked. The same is true with the commodities that come from Chicago. Bought on the open market, there are lots of people from China, a lot of people from European countries, people all over. Not You never see many South American countries buying our products. They're shipping stuff to us. They've got enough for themselves, and what's left over, they ship to us to make up the need that we have for a good beef, for example. And I'm not even sure Brazilian or Chilean beef is that good. They never inspect it. That's another fallacy. We inspect all the stuff that's grown in our country, but we we let stuff come into our country from other countries that we don't inspect. You tell me that makes sense. Aye, aye, aye. Anyway, the uh, cost of propane used for power grills, uh, that's gone up. So everything, the inflationary environment is taking its toll on the food market. So I say to you again, especially this year, this time of year, it's dairy month. Uh, find your local dairy. See if they're selling their own milk, their own cheese, their own ice cream. If they do, then buy it and make make a relationship between the farmer and produce the same way. Anything that's growing now, we got peas that are coming into the marketplace and lettuce and spinach and things. The early season items that are good, strawberries are coming in. Uh, so go find your local the local, um, this is for farmers and families, and it's all about food. So I say to the families listening, go find your local farmer and support him or her, no matter what it is that they grow. Uh, another uh, item of interest, the whole business of avian influenza and what that's doing to the chicken market. I'm sure you've seen the price of chicken because of the influenza. It's, you know, there are a lot of, of uh, flocks that have been destroyed because they found example uh, in not necessarily all the birds, but you know, the influenza gets into them. It's HPAI in the U.S. And we've had bouts with it back and forth for the last uh, 19, 20 years. Uh, millions of birds a few years ago were killed. There are a lot of questions whether it can affect cattle or not. It's extremely unlikely. Uh, there's more, however, it, 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 there have been disease outbreaks in cattle that have been like uh, the uh, avian flu, but not quite. And so you got to look out for that. Um, dairy farms that sell in farmers' markets, roadside stands uh, that have poultry flocks, there have been some... Uh, there have been some examples, and those of you who are farmers know what I'm talking about. Animal health officials uh, in the National Animal Health Laboratory Network have an infrastructure to identify and manage these diseases should they crop up. As I said before, though, extremely unlikely. And if it did happen, you'd know within 24 to 48 hours of a bird infecting or affecting a a cow, but it's just not, I I don't think it's something I'd lose a lot of sleep about, Uh, but something to be aware of, yes. To lose sleep about it, no, I don't think so. If you do have poultry on your farm, monitor them for any changes in health. Some 
some of the avian flu gets to the chickens and kills them right away. Uh, some of it, they have it and they get sort of a cold, what amounts to the cold in a chicken. Uh, but have a plan for your farm to maintain business continuity. If you happen to have an outbreak, uh, get um, develop a response plan, get the plan in order. Uh, if you have a good... The problem is that a lot of good veterinarians... There aren't a lot of good veterinarians around anymore that service big animals or service farms, at least in my neck of the woods. It's a real problem. So I'm sometimes at a quandary. What do I do? The state guy comes in and says, you got to uh, put all the birds into a cage. Okay, that's fine. So what happens if something happens? We don't. I've never had anything like this on my farm, but I do have chickens, and I do have goats, and I do have cows, and I do have ducks. And so if something happens, how do I know? Uh, you watch the monitor. You, you watch these animals, goats together. They don't seem to show any signs of it. Uh, but just, you know, I guess a word to the wise is sufficient. And that's why I passed that along. This is the American Family Farmer. I'm Doug Steffen with a word about your weight. My weekly reminder to look at what you look like. Are you happy when you look in the mirror? You haven't got any clothes on? You like the way your body looks, ladies, gentlemen? How about it? Yes, no? If you're not happy, then perhaps you ought to do something about it. Don't let your weight become a source of pain. Uh, get onto a good program. I, su- I subscribe to the theory that there are all kinds of really good ways to lose weight, but there's only one good way to lose it and keep it off, and that's using Calitrin. C-A-L-O-T-R-E-N. Calitrin is available at toploss.com. That's their website. You can, at this point during the year, because it's right around Memorial Day, they've had for the last week and will continue for another week, the unlimited Memorial Day supply. You can buy as many bottles. You know, it comes in three different ways. It's a powder, a capsule, a liquid these days. The all-natural way to support your weight loss gain. Uh, well, you, you have gained by losing. You really have. You've gained. Your life is better. Your body's healthier, all that stuff. But there's a limited supply of the new powder, so what you should do is go online to toploss.com right now and order as much as you'd like. The unlimited buy one, get one free. You get as many as you like. You've got to buy three or more to get that deal. So support yourself and other members of your family who may have worked hard to lose weight. Keep it off the natural way. Got any questions? Go to toploss.com and talk to the consultants to discuss which options are best for you and your lifestyle. It's toploss.com. When you check out, use the DJV code for free shipping. That's uh, toploss.com. Jim Roberts is here. He's the chairman of the board of Farm to Consumer. It's a foundation whose mission is what? Our mission is to educate and bring the local farmers and consumers together. Uh, we've got books and available for the best ways to prepare raw milk. They were developed with local experts. We also have interviews where we've interviewed successful farmers that give additional insights on how to be successful in uh, dairy farming with uh, raw milk. So mostly this is for dairy people, is that right? It's primarily raw milk is a gateway product, and so we aim at the, that in general, but it is on the side. Some of our interviews will talk about other products that uh, people make uh, either as sub-products to raw milk or with chickens or goats or pork that they also sell along the way. The uh, Price Foundation 
has been very vocal. Are you connected to them? Indirectly, I'm the chairman of a local uh, chapter here in Dayton, Ohio, for Weston A. Price. But as far as the foundation is concerned, no. The reason I ask that question, I am a dairy guy, grew up around cows. I raise uh, Jersey replacement heifers about 50 a year now on my farm. But I uh, was big into the raw milk. And as a matter of fact, I had a lot of help uh, from the Weston Price Foundation, other people who were supportive of the raw milk thing. Uh, This is a website that you all ought to look at, f2cfnd.org. Farm to Consumer uh, Fund, I think that's really the foundation, rather, uh, is um, uh, what that abbreviation is all about. So um, how did you come to be associated? Are you a farm guy, Jim? Did you grow up on raw milk? Uh, around 2005, my wife and I were introduced to raw milk. And um, the more we uh, and the raw milk farmer was like an hour away from Dayton, Ohio. And the more we talked, he encouraged me to take over a chapter he was running remotely of the Farm to Consumer of the Weston A. Price Foundation. And so my wife and I did that for four years. And, but we've been raw milk farmers ever since uh, 2005. We also had an episode here in Ohio where a raw milk farmer was uh, brought up on charges of uh, having problems with his raw milk, and they turned out to be bogus, and the judge was so upset with the case, he threw the case out of court. And so they were... Uh, Class A dairy, and they lost their Class A dairy ship there for a while until the case was settled. And that really, my wife and I were very instrumental in that litigation uh, to help that raw farmer in uh, uh, Versailles, Ohio. And uh, so that really pulled me into that and got me involved in a lot of the community. And then I was asked to join the Farm to Consumer Foundation and became the treasurer and then the secretary, and right now I'm chairman of the board. Well, the things that are done in all these, I think 26 states, if I'm not mistaken, or 28, uh, allow, and I put that in quotation marks, the sale of raw milk. Don't you find that outrageous in and of itself, that people can't make, make uh, what I ran into in Massachusetts, there were I don't know, about 30 farmers that were, license to sell raw milk and it was very controversial because all these uh, graduates of the public health universities are taught that raw milk is bad for you you got to have uh, uh, you, you uh, have to have it all processed and what i found out in my research and what i made a big i made a lot of noise about it here was when you hold up the the nutritional you have your milk evaluated for nutritional content you have uh, the uh, processors, whether it's uh, most of the mu- milk is produced or, yeah, is handled by the Suiza family, Dean Foods, and now uh, uh, the, the derivative of that, uh, a couple of different uh, ag groups. But anyway, the point is that if you hold up the nutritional label, and I posted it in my store next to the raw milk nutritional label, there's, no, there's not even a comparison. You're, you're, you're getting nothing out of drinking processed milk. Do you make that point? Can you get that point across to the people not only in Ohio, but other states where this is still an issue? Uh, and we're getting ready to run out of time. One, in this environment with your forcing jabs and you have to take it, and yet you're denied the ability to choose raw milk for your body, to me, is totally disjoint. I mean, where are we? Uh, 
if you compare raw milk with mother's milk, you find that they're exactly identical in their composition. Um, pasteurized milk has been so denuded, it, it is very watered down, and you're really not a benefit to your health as, as much as uh, raw milk is. No, it's not. There's no nutritional value to it at all. We'll pause for a moment and continue. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So raw milk, unpasteurized milk, in my mind, it's the same thing. Is it really, Jim, raw milk equals unpasteurized milk? We, we try to be careful with using raw and and usually like to call it fresh milk. And that yes. way you don't have that negative connotation with a lot of people you're talking to. That's part of selling uh, fresh milk to the consumer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, uh, how big is your farm and how many cows are you milking? What breed are you milking? I'm a consumer. And, and so I'm very familiar with my farmer that I get my milk from. I'm uh, visiting him every weekend to pick up my milk. I've been to his farm multiple times. He has jerseys. Uh, most of his cows are A2. I, there, I think there are a few they're not sure of, but they claim like they're 98% A2. And depending upon yeah. customers you're talking to, that can or cannot have an impact. I, um, well, I find I'm, I'm mistaken. I thought you were on the farm and that you started this with your own cows. So I mistook that at the beginning. So you're running an organization that's supportive of farmers who are doing this. And yeah, it's always interesting to get people to understand the difference between A2 cows and A1 cows. A1 cows are uh, basically uh, cows that produce a lot of milk and the quality is not that good. It's not bad, but it just isn't that good at that rich in proteins and butter fat and that sort of thing. A2 cows are brown cows, usually not as heavy milkers uh, in terms of volume, but the quality is better. Uh, usually what I found with my jerseys, uh, I had jerseys and guernseys, a few brown Swiss here and there, but my uh, uh, the the butterfat was around four percent, and the average butterfat with a Holstein is around three one three two, uh, so there's a little difference there. But it's still, we're talking about quality, and I love the term fresh milk. Uh, I don't know why I didn't think about that myself because that certainly uh, it 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 covers so many different things. And in terms of um, where people are having a problem with this still. I call your attention, you may have heard me talking about this earlier in the program, to what they've done in Maine uh, during the election. They've enacted the first food sovereignty law, and they voted to make it constitutional. Basically, people have the right to choose whatever they want to eat and whatever they want to grow uh, without interference from the government, without interference from big ag, uh, which is where the whole country should be as far as I'm concerned. Why is it anybody's business what you decide to eat. I mean, I understand the whole business about 
We go back to the turn of the century, last century, when everybody had a cow, everybody had a garden, and the cows were not kept clean, so people got sick by drinking unpasteurized milk because there were a lot of things that were, you know, they didn't clean the stalls, the cows didn't have free range, etc. cetera. Uh, but, you know, that, that was then, and this is now, right? We have, what I did, when I did raw milk, it made me a much better farmer. I was, the cows were much healthier, not that they weren't healthy before, but I made sure, because I never used any uh, vaccines and things that were not good for them, uh, and uh, the whole idea of us not being smart enough to be able to sell a product, produce a product that's good for everybody is anathema to me. And I guess that's what you're, you're supporting farmers who want to do this, right? Yes, the, probably the biggest threat to uh, fresh milk is somebody who gets into producing fresh milk and they don't have the experience or they haven't invested the knowledge or not being careful. Just like the broccoli issues that have hit and the lettuce issues that hit from California, one farmer who puts out bad milk, that will be broadcast all over the nation. Oh, sure. Black eye for for everybody. So as a result, we put together a a committee bringing people in from uh, Germany and other places to find the best practices to produce fresh milk. And we've created a book, and it's uh, over 100 pages, and it's available on our website that we sell for $20. We barely make anything just to cover shipping on that. But it's more important to us to educate people who are getting into raw milk production than it is for us making a profit off the deal. That's not the reason we're a foundation. We're pushing education of the farmer to produce the good milk. Um, We also have that for cows and goats. It's available at our website. Just click on the uh, shop button at the very top, and you can go and see that. Local farmers are are really local. I mean, they're going to be in a small area, and if they did have an oops, uh, and the problem would be very localized. However, in uh, March of 1985, when you have... Uh, 19,660 people were confirmed cases of salmonella because the milk was really not fully pasteurized and yet it was put in pasteurized containers and Mm -hmm. sold across the Midwest. And uh, so they're going to have far more dramatic impact, which if I didn't say this on your radio show, probably most of your listeners would never have known that. Uh, my email address is 19660N1985 at Gmail to remind me every time I use that email address or somebody asks me, what's that all about? So I have an opportunity to share the untold story of pasteurized is no guarantee of safety milk. Not at all. So one of the things that that sort of um, is part of the fold in in the conversation is what it takes to move milk from farms to the regionalized processing centers. Now, instead of having local places for milk, when I grew up in the town I grew up in, we had three different farms processing milk. The farm that I worked on and that I own today was processing milk from 100 cows and selling it. They had two trucks and they were delivering it. And there were three other places, three other farms in my community when I was a kid that were doing that. You can't find that today. You can stand at the entrance to the Mass Turnpike 
And every four or five minutes, there's a truck that comes across from New York State into Massachusetts to go down to the uh, Dean Foods Processing Center. There are two of them in New England. Well, one for Hood Milk and one for uh, what they call the Gorelick Farm brand, which is in New England, but it's all part of the same company that controls 80% of the fluid milk supply. And so when they talk about local uh, milk from local farmers, it's a joke. And what that's what you were underscoring, uh, the business of how uh, local farmers can best produce food and milk to be sold locally. And that's one of the things that looks like your organization really pushes. That's right. Yeah. Well, the food is so much better. It may be a little more expensive, but you get what you pay for. And the farmer is actually getting what he or she deserves out of the work they put into it. And with the big, huge conglomerates selling things cheaply. Yeah, but you get what you pay for, especially when it comes to food. I think anyway, I'm very excited that I've been able to uh, get you on and to talk about this. Uh, the organization needs to be more in the focus, especially when it comes to dairy, because dairy is being challenged more than any other type of farming oper operation in our country. Jim, it just is. Let me hit two points, and that is, number one, interstate commerce of uh, bright products like butter. We've been trying to get butter out of California for a while and having different arguments with the Federal Trade Commission. That's number one. And, uh, we, and number two, we keep seeing milk that's ultra-high pasteurized, and I understand the milk is so dead, they might as well not put it in their refrigerator. It's right. just there for the consumer. Yeah. And put, it's, just put it right next to the cookies. It's, it's white water. Uh, that's the problem. All right. Well, you can check out realmilk.com as well to find fresh milk farmers in your area. Uh, good to have you here, Jim. Continued success and that educational component of what you're doing is so important. Jim Roberts, chairman of the board of the Farm to Consumer Foundation, here on this week's American Family Farmer. So it's great business time for Caledron. I would think the phones would be ringing off the hook and people would be ordering Ad nauseum. That's right. You know, it'll be 25 years this April, and we've been helping customers lose weight safely and effectively for 25 years. So if you need to lose the weight, you've really got to check it out on our website, toploss.com, because like Doug said, it's so much more than just a weight loss product. I mean, we're not talking about uh, a quick fix fad product. There are no drugs. There are no stimulants. Our number one ingredient is collagen protein. Uh, it's got types one and three. That's for the muscle and the joints. All right, and don't forget the 9090 special right now. Use the DJV code for free shipping as well. DJV code at toploss.com and the Get Fit contest. That sounds like it would be kind of fun. Calitrin at toploss.com. Thanks to Elizabeth Miller here, one of the great Calitrin consultants at toploss.com. I'm Doug Steffen with a focus on your garden, your lot in life is to raise vegetables, to raise cattle, to raise goats, to raise sheep. You've got all kinds of things that you can do on your farm. Honestly, I love the garden. All Any farm I know, no matter what they grow, have a garden. But there are a lot of people who are trying to replicate the garden. I think this is kind of uh, cool, actually. And maybe this is how, when we, re we reflect on what's going on on the farm, this is how it has its most beneficial impact. People are seeing what's going on on the farm. They're seeing that we are in need of food. So take care of yourself with the 
vast majority of people who come to my farm asking me, how do I start a garden? Well, I've got some, we uh, make compost on the farm. So take some of the compost, buy a bag of that, uh, set aside maybe a little bit of ground around your house if you don't have a lot of room. If you live in an apartment, maybe you get some space up on the roof and you can, you know, there, I've, I've talked several times about this uh, building. I think it was in New York, maybe in Seattle though, uh, where it had a huge, you know, it's a big building and it had a huge uh, flat roof. And so the owner of the building said, let's have gardens for everybody, like a community garden on the roof of the building. And so you get 14 or 15 volunteers and they loaded into the elevator, wheelbarrow after wheelbarrow after wheelbarrow of dirt. And they put it all, they covered the whole roof of the building. And then they brought up some fertilizer. They mixed uh, shells and compost and stuff together. And they planted some things from scratch. They brought plants in from various sources. And now they've got this great, cool, this really cool garden on the top of the roof. See, that's the, you can be creative. And because people are going to be wanting for food, uh, this is a good way uh, to not only acquire some of the things that you want to eat, acquiring skills is also cool, and it's a way to spend some quality time learning something. I think it's very good. And then this way you can control uh, your own source of food to a certain extent anyway, save some money. Uh, very, very special this time of year because this is the time of year when things really start to grow, uh, north of the Mason-Dixon line especially. Uh, thousands of varieties of vegetables that you can plant, herbs, that sort of thing. Uh, consider, for example, uh, some, uh, you know, there are things like um, uh, special broccolis that are around now, special varieties, bell peppers. Those are also cool. And then, the, you know, carrots. I went and bought some carrot seeds the other day just for the heck of it to have in our garden. We haven't grown carrots for a long time. I always grow beets. In my garden, people say, well, what's in your garden? We have peas. We have beans. We have squash, different types of squash. We have, like, zucchini. At this time of year, it's a no-brainer, right? Yellow squash, zucchini, that kind of stuff. Very good. That'll grow. Tomatoes. I got a couple of different varieties of tomatoes that will be out there. Potatoes as well. People say, well, do you grow corn? No. Uh, my, the guy of the street's got the truck farm, grows all kinds of corn, all the corn I can eat. I don't need to grow it. Although I always, as a kid, loved to grow corn because it seems to grow the best. I just noticed we got a big field of it up the street between my house and the farm. Uh, there's about uh, 10, 12 acres of sweet corn that was planted last weekend, and it's already a couple of inches high. The soil is nice and warm, and it's good soil, and so it's uh, my friends are doing this, and I tell you the story because I think it makes us all feel good to watch all of this stuff grow. I just think it's fabulous. And getting our mind off of some of the things that are bothering us, you know, going out and working in the dirt, it's fabulous. And maybe what we should do is get some people to take pictures of their gardens and share it with us on our uh, website, theamericanfamilyfarmershow.com. Let's see how I can put that to task. At any rate, uh, there are... Uh, uh, in the, in the country, there are lots of cultures, and uh, the uh, the apple blossoms you've seen a lot of that cherry blossoms, uh, peach blossoms, the kinds of things that now are beginning to shape what we'll be eating in late August, September, October, through the fall. I had a hard time finding a local. Uh, we we have around here lots and lots of orchards, and I uh, I found there's a 
I don't know what this is or why it is. Some orchards are able to keep the apples through the winter and they still are crisp and clean. Other, I found that there are other uh, orchards that have apples that don't last. I don't know why that is, but certainly something to investigate. All right, grow, grow, grow. Those are the words of the week. Those are my thoughts on this year, the year of your garden. I'm Doug Steffen. This is the American Family Farmer. I am Robert Strickler. My wife Joyce and I have been married for 53 years. Certainly one of the really important things in my life are our children and our grandchildren. I am essentially a writer. I've been involved in communications in the media. I've been an avid fly fisherman for at least 40 or more years. I've been taking Prevagen on a regular basis for at least eight years. For me, the greatest benefit over the years has been that Prevagen seems to help me recall things and also think more clearly, have a crisper ability to remember and think through things. And I enthusiastically recommend Prevagen. It has helped me an awful lot. Prevagen, healthier brain, better life. Robert Strickler is a content contributor for Prevagen and real user. Based on a clinical study of subgroups of individuals who are cognitively normal or mildly impaired, this product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The American Family Farmer podcast is made possible in part by Calitrin, which is the safe way for you to lose weight and keep it off. And also by Prevagen, keeping your brain healthy. This program was edited by Bob K. Sound and Recording. Visit bobksound.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.